0: title this message, Sparks of Joy. Has anyone besides me um, enjoyed the book, The Life-Changing Magic of Tidying Up? I'm just curious if I'm like one of the very few. Okay, so there's a Japanese lady uh, named Marie Kondo who who wrote this book called The Life-Changing Magic of Tidying Up, because she has this whole system for how to magically tidy your life and keep it that way. But there's one really funny thing about uh, what she says. She actually invites you to put every object in your house in a big pile, one category at a time, in your living room, and to pick up every single item, and to hold it, and to ask yourself this question, does this item spark joy? If not, out it goes. Um, and <laughs> Tim's so happy about this. Um, if you know what gift to give Tim, give him the, the book. Um, And it's such an interesting question, and I love the word picture that comes to mind. Does it spark joy? Because joy is kind of like that spark. Joy is incendiary. It sort of wants to ignite around itself, and it's usually triggered by something very small. It doesn't have to be a big thing. Joy is also intangible. It can feel like it's here one second and gone the next. However, joy is not insignificant. It is extremely, extremely important Um, There are a few scriptures I'm just going to throw out there. They're not going to be up there. But just listen to how important it is in the scriptures. It says, the joy of the Lord is your strength. So in Nehemiah, the joy of the Lord is your strength. Somehow this spark that gets ignited becomes our strength. And then it also says in Hebrews that for the joy set before him, Jesus endured the cross. That sounds pretty important to me. The idea that joy would have fueled Jesus for his journey through what he was about to endure. That's in Hebrews 12. Joy is critical to us, like the combustion in an engine that powers our cars. All those little explosions that move those cylinders that make those wheels go. Joy sparks energy and motion in our life. Joy is evidence, as well, of God's kingdom at work. Which is so nice to know that if you're looking for God, look for joy real joy, and you will undoubtedly find God. And lastly, I wanted to say about joy that Jesus had a a prayer for us, and he actually prayed that we would experience his kind of joy. That's a pretty big deal if Jesus prayed it. So what I want to do today is look at four moments in the Christmas story, four sparks of joy, and see what we can pull out of these moments for our lives and see if we can tap into the joy that is meant to be here this Christmas season. So the first thing I want to talk about is the Magi. And um, I almost said Steve. Tim talked about these last week a little bit, and uh, so I'm not going to go over what he said, but but what is interesting to me about the Magi is that they found joy when they found what they were searching for. And I'd like to read the scripture up here, so if you want to look with me, we'll read it together. When they, that's the Magi, these wise men, uh, had heard the king, they set out, and there ahead of them went the star that they had seen at its rising, until it stopped over the place where the child was. And when they saw that the star had stopped, they were overwhelmed with joy. And on entering the house, they saw the child with Mary, his mother, and they knelt down and paid him homage or worshipped him. And then opening their treasure chest, they offered him gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. These magi or wise men were people who were looking for God. They were looking for truth. They were looking for something to worship, and they would have looked anywhere for it. They were searchers and learners. They were looking in the stars, looking for signs and omens. They were searching any kind of texts. They were on the lookout for what would be meaningful and beyond just what they could see and feel in touch with their hands. They probably spent months, if not a year, searching for this moment. Can you imagine? They saw an omen, they saw a sign, and they set out from the east, from wherever they were from, hoping to find whatever this amazing thing was represented in this star that they saw. And when they finally found it, they were absolutely overwhelmed with joy. Can you imagine following a star for months, hoping that at the, at the end of that rainbow, you're going to find what you've been looking for? Um, I was trying to think of an analogy of finding something. And honestly, I really love finding a Christmas tree. And there is that moment when you find a Christmas tree that is magical. And so I have a picture of a Christmas tree up here. Some of you might even recognize this Christmas tree. This is a very special Christmas tree. This is the Griswold Christmas tree. And I want to show you a picture, the next slide, of the face of the Griswold family and of Clark in particular. If that's not the look of joy at finding what you've been looking for, I don't know what is. That's fantastic. That moment of finding the thing that you've been searching for and thinking it's perfect. That is a special moment. Can you recall the last time you felt the joy of finding something that you were really looking for, maybe that you had spent a long time looking for? We are all, I believe, if we pay attention, searching. We're asking questions, and these questions sometimes surface in our minds, and oftentimes the busyness of life just keeps us busy, But when things quiet down and we settle down, we realize there are questions lurking in our hearts, lurking in the back of our minds. These questions make us feel vulnerable. We don't have all the answers. Maybe we have doubt. Maybe we searched for a while and didn't find what we were looking for, and so we gave up searching. But in those moments, there is a beautiful promise that is made. God makes this promise to his people when he says, You will seek me and you will find me when you seek me with all your heart. Now, I imagine these magi setting out on their journey had to decide, are we in this for the long haul? Are we going to follow this star until it finally stops, however long it takes? And obviously, they made it. But they took a huge risk, didn't they? And I believe that the joy that so many of us are waiting for or hoping for or wishing we're experiencing in our lives – is at the end and the other side of risk. And that risk is hard to take, but there's a promise. And if we can hold on to this promise, it says, if you seek and if you search with your whole heart, you will absolutely find me. That is God's promise to us. It's a risk. It may take months, years of searching and, and risking doubt and unknown and uncertainty, but the promise is that joy is waiting at the end. Joy is waiting for us there. Secondly, I want to talk about angels. And angels spark joy, and particularly in this story, when heaven reminds. That's kind of the role that angels play. They get to be these heavenly reminders. So there are a few people that were interrupted, and I'm going to read this one uh, scripture to give you the example. The angel said to him, this is to Zechariah, Don't be afraid, Zechariah, for your prayer has been heard. Your wife, Elizabeth, will bear you a son, and you will name him John. And then the angel says, You will have joy and gladness, and many will rejoice at his birth. But the angel said to him, do not be afraid. Wait, this is the next angel. The other angel is uh, out in the fields with the shepherds. You remember the shepherds watching over their flocks at night? And the angel shows up and they freak out as well. And he says, don't be afraid. For see, I am bringing you good news of great joy for all the people. These two people, Zechariah, uh, or these two groups, and then the shepherds were interrupted. Their interruption was terrifying, it was chaotic, and they were afraid, they were confused. But, there was a message from God in the middle of their confusion, joy is coming. I believe what we can take out of this is that we need heavenly reminders. We need interruptions in our day, we need reminders that joy is there, and thankfully, God loves to give reminders like these folks in this video. I'd like to play a minute 25 of this video And in case you can't tell quite what's going on, there's a few people who decided they wanted to outfit a van with some turf, put a bunch of baby puppies in there, and take it to a college campus on finals day and interrupt some students on their way to finals. Let's watch this video. like, I love that video. What a wonderful interruption, right? Don't you wish you were interrupted on your most stressful days with a van full of puppies? We need, we absolutely need interruptions and reminders, even though we sometimes hate interruptions. When I'm in the middle of a project, I'm doing a house remodel right now, and sometimes that little vibrating in my pocket is like the most worst feeling in the world, because I I just do not want to stop and be interrupted again. But every once in a while, it's a really wonderful interruption, and I actually need it, um, especially when somebody's been thinking about me or reaching out to me. Um, oftentimes, the circumstances in our life turn to routine. So for Zechariah, he was in the routine of being uh, a priest. He was doing his religious priestly duties, and he was doing the routine. For the shepherds, they were in their routine. They're sleeping out with their flocks and doing their thing. And in the middle of that, an incredible moment of wonder, of mystery, and awe that was already lacking. Do you feel like sometimes life lacks a little mystery, a little wonder, a little awe? That's probably one of my favorite things about this time of year, being with my kids and experiencing Christmas from that sense of wonder and awe again. We lose that as we get older and life gets more challenging. Whether it's religion, whether it's our work, our family, our routines, whatever it is, they sort of become dull and these, these interruptions that we need that God loves to give are like a light that suddenly sparks in a room where we've been sitting in the dark focusing on one little piece. And maybe it's a worrisome piece. Maybe it's something that's got us really down or frustrated or upset. And these interruptions open us up to a world that exists that is so far beyond what we've been focusing on. And without those, our life becomes very small. So joy becomes that light. There are many good things that God has placed around us. In fact, they are all around us. And without the reminders, we soon forget. So Christmas invites us to get out of our regular routines. That's a really nice part about this season. And invites us to wake up to the bigger picture. And what's the bigger picture? God has brought joy to the world. That's an amazing gift. That is God's gift to the world, one of the many gifts he has. It's here and it's available and we can be awakened to it. Thirdly, I like to talk about babies. And uh, in the story, uh, babies spark joy when they get together. So let's read this scripture about what happens when a couple babies get together. As soon as I heard the sound of your greeting, says Elizabeth, the child within my womb leaped for joy. One of the craziest things I've ever experienced was when my children were inside of my wife's womb and you got to feel them move. And we saw the in the hand, and you could actually experience it. It was just mind-blowing. This baby leapt for joy. I don't know what that experience is like, but I know that it was probably very surreal. We know that babies love being together. I was just with my nephew, who's about six months old the other day, and he hated being left alone. He did not want to be alone by anyone. Hands would go out to anyone who would come near. We are wired for this. So I actually, um, I brought a book and I meant to get it out. I got out my sermon, which I also forgot to bring up here with me. Um, I'd like to read to you a little section from this book that has been kind of blowing my mind lately. This book is called Anatomy of the Soul. It's by a guy named Kurt Thompson. And uh, he's writing about what he calls interpersonal neurobiology, which is basically saying how our relationships shape our brains. And he writes this. Our... Fluctuations in energy, which is one way he talks about emotions, are highly influenced by the fluctuations in other people's minds. Our brains tend to look for and influence each other even when we're not paying attention. Our right hemispheres tend to capture and respond to nonverbal stimuli that originate from the right hemispheres of other brains, often without us even knowing. The fact that the brain responds in such an interdependent, contingent manner reminds us that there is no such thing as a true individual. Each of us is influenced, whether we are aware of it or not, by the contingent emotional experience of the people around us. It's not possible for us not to influence others or not to be influenced by others. Our brains develop, and as such, so do our communities, relative to our level of attunement to the emotion that moves within and between us. We are wired not just to experience emotion together but to actually share it with one another. It's one of the ways that we are intricately int- intricately connected. So what does that tell you about joy? That means joy is not an individual experience. It's not something I get just for me. Joy is something that is meant to be experienced and shared with you. Um, Sometimes we may not even be conscious of it, but something about being together sparks good in our lives, but we have to attune to it. Have you ever noticed that sometimes just being in the right room with the right people in the right spirit creates goodness in your life. Even if you can't put words to it, even if you can't point to a specific thought or a specific moment, you leave that time and that place knowing that goodness has been imparted to you. That is one of the beautiful things about community. And I think about, you know, how we all have Christmas parties this year and how they often become a bit of a drag. It's like, I got to go to this get-together and and they become sort of a stressor on us. I have a challenge for you this year. Whatever get-togethers you're going to be at, Can you take a moment to experience not just being in the same room, but being truly connected to another human? And can you see if in that moment, God would use that interaction to spark joy, not just in you, but to be shared with them as well? I think we have some great opportunities. Lastly, I want to talk about mothers. Mary, of course, is the quintessential mother. And when Mary experiences joy, it's because she's serving. So let's read what she has to say. This is a song she sings after she uh, gets together with Elizabeth. She says, my soul magnifies the Lord and my spirit rejoices in God, my Savior. For he has looked with favor on the lowliness of his servant. And surely from now on, all generations will call me blessed. For the mighty one has done great things for me and holy is his name. There's been a lot of language about us serving God that has led to a view of God as a bit of a dictator, a taskmaster. Um, However, serving God, I think, isn't so much about him wanting us to be his slaves. I think it's about him wanting to invite us to become part of something that is much bigger than ourselves. If we don't have something bigger to become a part of, we become slaves and servants of of our own uh, selves and our own agendas. So Mary's just been told that she's going to be pregnant out of wedlock. Whoa. Um, And yet, in this moment of communal shunning, she experiences joy. She rejoices because she knows that she's part of something amazing, and she gets to be a part of it. Because God is by nature a loving and a self-giving being, partnering with God naturally pulls us outside of ourselves. It takes us beyond ourselves and into the lives of others, and it gives us a new vantage point from which we can see God's power extended through us on behalf of those who need mercy and who cannot rescue themselves. And because we don't have within ourselves what's required to meet those needs, have you ever tried tried to over a season of time, give and give and give and realize I don't have what is required within me to sustain this kind of lifestyle. Because we don't have everything, God graciously fills us with the good things as we give so that we not only experience the joy of giving, but we also experience the joy of experiencing God in a way we would otherwise have never experienced. I don't know if I said that too convoluted. But in serving, we experience God in a way that we would never otherwise experience God because we get to partner with him. Mothers are perhaps the best example of this. Mothers who give and give and give and do the thousands of thankless tasks and service to their children, but who experience the unspeakable joy at watching their children grow. And I was uh, shared a poem uh, by someone this week that I' like to read to you. This was posted on Instagram by someone called Laporte Rouge. I don 't know who she is. She says, "I write this while you sleep, my darling. It has taken all my will not to wake you to tell you that you just turned six. Six. You are six, and it aches to even whisper it as I type, but the ache, um, but the kind of ache like when you hear a piece of music that moves you. Yes, like that, but a million times more. I have been writing this for you for weeks in the lining of my heart, each time with a lump in my throat, followed by a memory of something you did or said from the last five, four, three, two, one, and months old. I remember what you felt like in my arms, on my chest, under my chin, for that first time holding you there forever imprinted on me. I swear I feel it still. Do you know what my heart feels like when you speak, when your singing reaches the happiest part of my soul, or when your beautiful hands reach for mine, and that moment where your hands, like lockets worn through history of time, do you know what it's like to hear you read a book to yourself, a fairy tale for one who's dreamt of you for so long? You are so strong, and yet I know how careful I must be to never let that strength hide your sensitive soul. Do you know what it's like to wake up as the sun is barely up and to turn to see you sleeping so peacefully as you were made new that very night? My love, this is what you are to me, the greatest love I have ever known. I know I don't deserve you or even come close to, do, uh, to giving you all you deserve, but I dream of a million things for you, but somehow you remind me that this is now, that today is what counts, that we must stop and smell the roses as often as the moments arise. I have a million things I wanted to write about you. They're clear to me, all the things that should be celebrated about you. But all I can do is be reminded of how I wanted to shout on the rooftops when you became mine and I yours. So hear me, world. My wise, smart, beautiful, sensitive little girl is six, I tell you. My dear poet, I love you, and one day someone will discover better words to describe the love a mother has for her daughter. I believe the joy of Christmas can be found by tapping into God's joy as he joyfully loves and serves his world. Um, I want to have a moment of reflection to wrap up, and if it helps you to close your eyes uh, to be introspective, you're welcome to do that. I have a few questions I'd like to ask. And as I ask these questions, would you be searching your heart with the Holy Spirit? And if something sticks out to you, I encourage you to take a moment to hold it, to recognize it, to honor it with God, and to let it be a question that allows you to keep searching as you search to find Him. So the first question is, are you searching this year? Have you been searching for a long time? Have you given up on searching? Will you search with your whole heart, not just part of it? And will you discover the joy of discovering God again for the first time? Do you need reminders this year? Do you need shocking interruptions to awaken you to the goodness that is all around you? How will you respond to the interruption? Are you isolated this year? Are you alone? Will you make room for real connection in the midst of the crowds? Will you share a joyful moment with another person who may be even more lonely than you? Is God inviting you to partner together as you do all that you are about to do this Christmas season? Will you surrender and become a servant of something greater than a holiday and discover the joy of watching and experiencing God do what only God can do? God, would you spark joy in us this year? In your name we pray, amen.